Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63. Uh, this week it is Season 2, Episode 7. It is the last podcast before official Rambler basketball. Yeah, it's official, yeah. Exhibition games feel official. A little yeah. bit more official than secret scrimmages and open practice. So yeah. Right, right. It's like a, a practice official. Um, but Lou, who's our sponsor this week? Our sponsor this week is going to be the Greyhound Bussing uh, Company. They don't realize they're our sponsor, but we're playing University of... Indiana at Indianapolis, or whatever they want to be called, Indianapolis, and they are the Greyhounds. So we're going to be sponsored by their brethren. The Once Greyhound we beat unit. them, do they're we gonna... own Greyhound bus? No, company? they're just going to go back on a Greyhound bus. Okay, okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we have. It's probably going to be a shorter episode. I know. I feel like I say that all the time, but uh, we don't have too much to talk about. We have a few news things, and then I think we're just going to kind of talk about the team, just kind of riff yeah. and yeah. go through each player, and uh, yeah, it should be uh, a low key. A low-key one, and uh, uh, thanks for listening, uh, and go Blurs. He jumps, he passes out to Hunter, Hunter shoots, off the rim, Rouskin the scores, it's over, it's over, we won, we won the ball game, Viola won the ball game, oh, we won, 60 to 58. Alright, so first of all, we wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out um, to one of the other Loyola uh, athletic teams. This past week, the women's soccer team um, secured first place and at least a share of their regular season title. I think they still have a couple more games or at least one more. Yeah, I think they have a couple more games. I don't know if it's – they're clinched in their title for back-to-back regular season champs. Right. Uh, don't know if it's shared. We'll, we'd need to look at the standings. But we just want to shout-out to another champion team. Always good to see regular season champions. And then building that into hopefully postseason and then to the NCAA tournament as well for them. So congrats, ladies, and Coach uh, Bambi. Oh, Coach Bambi? Yeah. It's a good name. It's a good I believe name. so. It's Barry something, something. Good program. Good program, good culture. Good school. Um, yeah, so that was just a little, a little uh, blurb there about another team before we get into our own team here. Um, the first thing, we have three little news uh, news articles here to talk about. First thing we wanted to talk about was uh, the Chicagoland tip-off. Mm-hmm. And Lou, for some of our listeners, could you just give like, a, like what is the Chicagoland tip-off? So, uh, Chicagoland tip-off is men's and women's basketball coaches from five Chicago-area Division One schools um, really come in, and they, uh, the luncheon was at Oct- was October 21st. Um, I think it took place at, like, uh, Maggiano's or something mm-hmm. downtown in Chicago, and it's kind of the uh, unofficial start of college basketball season for the Chicagoland area. So, for Loyola, we had representation from uh, our both Porter Moser and uh, the women's coach. Uh, so it's just a great way to kind of understand what the team kind of look is going to be in the feel, and then also just to see what Chicago college basketball is like. Um, wish we talked about scheduling, but we can get to that on a later point with how none of these Chicago teams really want to play. Right. Wouldn't Rangers. it be nice if you know these head coaches could get together and talk about the game they're going to play against each other? This would be such a perfect event for like Porter and whoever the head coach is at Northwestern. I don't care. Um, to talk about their upcoming game. Like, that would be so much fun. And it would create a great news story. But no, no one wants to play us. So, you know, whatever. But we've, we've talked plenty about that. Yeah, so um, I guess let's get back into why we're talking about the Chicagoland uh, tip-off. And it has to be because of the injury bug that has been going around with the men's basketball team. Uh, that's the way it was phrased. Um, kind of in, from what I've seen quotes, but... We talked last week about uh, Frank, uh, Big Frank with his uh, boot, I think we mentioned. No, he has a thumb oh, the injury. the thumb, the thumb, sorry, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. 
But uh, uh, another one to add, again, is let's get back. So Cooper Capus out for the whole year. We know that uh, back in June, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, Frank was just recent with the thumb. Uh, but now it's Keith Clemens, uh, who has suffered a, a meniscus injury and is expected to be out for four to six weeks. Yeah. And this was only given to us about four days ago. So that's a, that's a big chunk of the first half of the season. I um, think I read that he suffered it on Monday, and I think he had surgery on Tuesday. Yeah, so even yeah. even if we're just going to – we could do from the Monday, but if we did it from the Wednesday right, – probably the surgery. That's or... that's putting us at – That's like – I think – If we're doing five weeks, that's the end of November. And yeah, that's, that's like the, right at that's, the time of the tournament. There we go. And those are key games. We go down to Furman. There, there's a whole bunch of – Different types of games going on that I think that's what we're going to segue into the next one. Um, Clevens was really projected for some people to be a, maybe a projected starting point guard, um, but their injury really is opening a lot of doors, I think, um, for players to gain playing time and all a bunch of things. And uh, I know uh, a name that I love saying is Marquise Kennedy, mm-hmm. uh, which I'd like to start then going into now. This is us going to talk about the depth chart and what. But the quote from Porter Moser was Marquise Kennedy. We're looking at like he's going to get thrown into the fire. Mm. He's going to get a lot of minutes. Please early. don't throw him into the fire though, because we we really need all the players we can get. Right yeah, now. no, we we really do. So and burn injuries—they're no joke. Th- that's the thing. So I think people need to realize if you look at our roster for depth, with Frank being injured for we don't know how long, we don't have really tall guys on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Tom Welch, freshman. Don't expect him to be. Much we know he has a high ceiling, but now maybe this is time because if we have Crutwig starting and we have a here, mm-hmm. we don't have any height off the bench, so it's going to be a little interesting. Are we going to go small ball? So that was my concern with Frank's injury and Cooper, a uh, big hit on the offensive uh, kind of speed of the game with him and getting shots up. But now with Keith's injury, um, this opens a big kind of hole into how are we going to play mainly off the bench. I think we have a better understanding of what our starters are, but this is uh, something that we need to talk about. But. I think the one thing that, um, although we might not have height in the middle, like as a backup to, to Cam Crutwig, um, we do have some bigger guards that we can play this year. Um, there are some lineups where if we play both Uguak and Tate Hall together and Lucas Williamson, like that's 6'4", 6'6", 6'7". Like that, that's a substantial, it's a, it's a big um, group right there. Same with Paxson. Uh, Paxson six four six five. Um, but you could look at it the other way and say, oh, we don't have much height, um, like you mentioned, behind Cameron Crutwig. We don't really have a backup center. I mean, Welch is. A, he's really a power forward. I, I don't. I don't see him as a center. Um, so yeah, I think. I think against a backup big, we might struggle a little bit. You know, there are there are a good amount of bigs in this conference that have been around for a year or two now. And, um, you know, having someone like Tom Welch try to fill in, I, I just don't think he's going to do the same job that someone like Frank could do. Um, but um, in addition to the Frank injury, we do have the Keith Clemens injury, which I think actually might be the bigger injury, in my opinion. Um, as we all know, a, uh, a, a very skilled guard and someone who's in charge of things and under control is, is, is very important in the Missouri Valley Conference. There's lots of active defenders, lots of turnovers happening, 
And um, from everything we read, Keith Clemens was going to be that guy for this team. There were reports of him being under control and, and being a good passer, a good ball handler. And there were um, also some, I think Porter actually said after Clemens got hurt that um, he was going to be the starting point guard. And um, having him out to start the season is going to be difficult. Um, it's going to be difficult trying to find someone to um, to be that guy to fill in for him and um, and it's someone that you could trust too because I, I, I think we both agree. I think Marquise Kennedy, we think, is going to be a great, great player someday. But we don't know if someday is going to be from day one, season one, freshman year, game one of this upcoming season. And that's the kind of thing that I worry about. Um, but, um, in addition to, uh, this roster news, the Chicagoland, um, tip off, there are some other things I wanted to, to touch on before we kind of deep dive into each individual player season. Um, namely there's, uh, the next piece of news, um, is Dante Ingram, um, our favorite big shot hitter, uh, famously hit the, the, the game winner. He hit a what, what shot? A game. Game winning winner. shot. Game winning shot it. against, um, Miami. Uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament, um, Dante Ingram was traded and then signed, I believe. I, I am always a little fuzzy on how the G League works. G League is its own, its I own think, thing. Like, his rights were traded. Yeah, so player rights. So it's it kind of go back to Milt. Milton yeah. Doyle's rights were tra- traded from the Brooklyn Nets, Long Island Nets G League to a Chicago Bulls um, G League, the Windy City Bulls G League. Um, so again, it's like it's kind of like the parent is the NBA team, and then G League is the kind of subsidiary team. So they have the he's going to probably work out with them, probably practice with them, and then. But again, he's still his rights are still in house. Yeah, so but I think a, after your rights get traded, the G League team still has to like sign you because I think yeah, the G League contracts are only one year. Yeah, exactly. You have to be signed. Yeah. Well, yeah. the thing is, so Milt played overseas, but his right. rights were still for the NBA sense and for G League any official NBA thing were with Long Island. Right. But he could go overseas. You always see that now for people questioning. You see that a lot with international draft picks sometimes. Go play. Like, I know Ricky Rubio off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Go play international. We still own your rights, but go play internationally and then come back to us. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, his rights were traded to which team? Greensboro Swamp. The Greensboro Swamp? That's a that's a heck of a name. Oh, oh no. It's not Swamp. Sorry. It is the Swarm. Oh, the Swarm. Okay. The swarm. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all of you uh, listeners at home, we had a, a funny moment that is not going to make the podcast, but um, I, myself, <laughs> said that the Charlotte Bobcats were the NBA team, the NBA team, which is wrong, and then me and uh, Lou here had a debate about that for a long time, but it's not the Charlotte Bobcats, no, it's it not. is the Charlotte Hornets. There we go. So if uh, Dante sees any time in the NBA, most likely it would be with the charlotte hornets there we go. Um, his rights can always be traded and such but um yeah we'll keep a we'll keep a lookout see how he ends up doing in the in the g league there if he has any good games or notable you know maybe another buzzer beater then we'll uh we'll be sure to highlight it here for you guys uh for all the listeners here um but congrats to dante looking forward to seeing him play um in uh in some professional basketball especially in the states because it's way easier for us as fans to follow um, stateside basketball as opposed to international basketball um but yeah congrats Dante uh and then the last news story that we have to talk about um there's not much 
published about it, but we did want to talk about the secret scrimmage a little bit. Um, pretty much the only thing we definitely know is that Loyola lost to mm -hmm. um, SLU. Um, there was, I think I read one tweet that said that it was, they lost by seven, which I think it, it was six. Yeah. So one tweet was from a St. Louis, not university, but St. Louis sports writer. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, I think he did say we lost by six single digits. Yeah. Uh, six or seven was a number that's stuck in my head right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, that's the only news we've had. It's funny. I did see a secret scrimmage tweet today, actually from Providence versus, um, Purdue. Okay. And they box score was posted. Yeah, I and so for people who were like, "Why do some?" And again, it just depends. Maybe the coaches kind of coaches. About it before for all we know, Porter could have ripped off every box score that was printed, and because that could be a thing, or maybe they just don't do any. Yeah, um, and we could kind of like deep dive into like what a six point loss means, but like the only thing I could say is it could have been a very close game, and then. Slew made a couple free throws at the end and Loyola didn't score. Or it could have been the opposite where Slew was killing us the whole game and then Loyola made a couple threes at the end and then it makes it look closer than it actually was. So another thing nothing is, to really say from that. Yeah, no, the only thing I have to say is I'm happy we played Slew because Slew was in the NCAA tournament last year. They won the A-10 tournament championship. Right. They were the 6-2. But we play a lot of A-10 teams. We play a mm -hmm. lot of Atlantic 10 teams this year. Which St. Joe's is always going to be someone I think we're going to be playing. Uh, we got uh, Davidson, yeah. Davidson, Davidson, yeah. and St. Joe's, and St. Joe's. So there might be an A ten team in our tournament. I think maybe not, but we still have two solid, solid opponents. Um, so actually, that's a conference competition level that we I think are. It's good that we played them. That's yeah, a huge thing. And their preseason, just a little tidbit here. The A 10s preseason poll came out, and Davidson was projected second, which is great. They're going to be an incredible team. St. Joe's on the flip side, they were Ooh. second to last. Yes, they were. But, like we said many times before, that is way better than a Division II school or way better than some of the other teams we play this year. I mean, we have some lower-level teams, and I'm happy to play St. Joe's. We had a great game against them last year, even though it was super low scoring and we did lose. It was still a great game. and They're uh, a good team to play. I think yeah. it's definitely something... We've lost a few. We've lost actually a recruit to them a few times. So oh, really? there is kind of some history, um, especially with current coaching. But it's good to have. It definitely, again, as we always say, better to play them than to have a Division two school. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, but, yeah, so um, Secret Scrimmage, you know, not much really to say about it. Um, looking forward to uh, – I'll actually be present at the exhibition game coming up on Tuesday. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but I think that's going to wrap up our news portion of the podcast. We're going to uh, finish up here in a little bit with um, some talk about the roster, some of the guys we're looking forward to watching this season, and maybe just a little bit of a, a talk about our, uh, our exhibition opponent in uh, University of Indiana at Indianapolis. So stick with us. Thanks for listening, and go Blurs. And the Wranglers are moving on! And we are back. So let's talk about our team. We've done a lot of talk about other teams, other teams we're going to play, conference teams, non-conference teams, you know, everything, but I feel like our own loyal Ramblers. You know, we talk about here and there when it comes up or players get injured, we talk about how the ramifications of that, but um, I think let's just like kind of go through the roster here, talk about each player, um, maybe set some projections for them and like where we see them by the end of the season. Um if that's cool with you. 
Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Um, well, let's start at the top then. Let's start with our big guy. Let's start with our big man in the middle, our preseason Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, Cameron Crowick. Um, last year, I think he averaged just under 15 points a game um, and maybe like seven or eight rebounds, something around there. I know he didn't average a double-double like you love. Um, but I think my biggest thing for Cameron Crowick this year, I really want to see him improve on both – his uh, ability to get to the free throw line, and then when he gets there, his ability to come through and hit his free throws. Um, I was just looking at this the other day. Last year, he only connected, I think, on roughly like 57, 58% of his free throws, whereas his freshman year, he was up above 70. He was at like 73, 74%. Um, and I really do think he can not only get back to his freshman year numbers and percentage-wise, but I think he can he can get up to, like, 80%. We know he has that touch. Like, we've seen him take little hook shots, sometimes jump shots. Um, but I think that's one easy way for him. If he averages, you know, three or four more attempts per game from the free throw line and then also is hitting at a higher percentage, he can increase his points per game by – three or four points just on free throws alone. Um, so that's where I would love to see him improve his game. Lou, where do you think our big boy Cameron Crotwig can improve the most on his game going into his junior year? I think it's just more of, I don't, I don't want to say like he's not quick, mm-hmm. but I think it's just that, that uh, off the ball step kind of thing, how he can move around, be more of a, of a quick slasher, maybe just new techniques to really get into the paint. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see him around the, the perimeter, but we know what he's good at. He's got a sweet spot underneath the rim. He, he knows what he's doing there and he feels comfortable since his freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, but what maybe I'd like to see is if he sets a high screen pick um, or high screen that he can slash right underneath and just go and he moves quick. There's no kind of hesitation mm-hmm. uh, off the ball um, that it's a fluid and more, just his feet are moving and he's got great feet for uh faking guys one way and moving back the other way um but i just love if uh that we could just see it from even another side another angle where the ball then can hopefully get filtered to him then that's the the next part but yes and i think that would especially help him on defense too for his ability to cover and guard some of those more slasher type quicker type big guys that like to pick and pop or slash to the hoop um, so I definitely could see that helping him out um, in his junior year and then onto his senior year too. Um, but I'm expecting big things from Cam. I mean, I think, you know, anytime you're pegged as the player of the year in your conference, people think very highly of you. And, um, I mean, he had steady, had some steady improvements from his freshman year to his sophomore year, and that was when he was still, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was probably still the third option behind cluster and towns and then by the end of the season he was definitely the second if not the first option but this team is his like he's going to be the first option every single game he should be and he should be yeah so i wonder how much that's going to help his numbers help the team as a whole um and help him uh just kind of improving as a basketball player um but i'm i'm really looking forward to seeing how he progresses i think he can go from uh 15 and 8 stat line or 15 and 7 whatever it ended up being rebounds wise um to 19 maybe 20 points a game and um also hopefully getting close to that 10 rebounds a game mark and we know he's a good passer too so um i think he can uh, it might not it doesn't always translate into assists but um just to see him steadily improve his his passing game as well 
Um, but I think my estimation, I think he's going to average 18 points and 9 rebounds. I think that's my my guess. What do you think, Lou? Think around that? Think something different? I, I, I The 20 mark in college is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that's where people, they always associate... Um, they always associate a high 20 points. They're like, oh, because the NBA. What I would really like to see him do is, which would be, some might think of it as really just out there, but I'd like to see more of a 15 and a half, mm-hmm. 10 rebounds, four assists, or four to four and a half assists a game kind mm-hmm. of averaging. I'd like to see the uh, numbers. Assist, he's always been kind of. Not weakened, but it's not something that always at the end of the box score game, you're like, oh, he always gets a high amount of assist. It doesn't tally up. It yeah. doesn't always show on the box score, even though we know he's a good passer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's always there underneath the rim. But I'd like to see, again, that's where the quickness come in. Go up and grab that rebound. Go maybe a little bit more offensive rebounds. Maybe it would be lovely to see. But then also, I think this is his time with not as strong of a point guard lineup we have, or at least uh, an experienced lineup with point guards. He might be seen holding the ball, holding that little... Well, pretty much the offense a few times. You might. Mm. We don't know how they're going to come out. But maybe that would hopefully increase his ball movement and you'd see him getting the assist. But then that's the best part is, as they say, is that's kind of going to be like a play action where it's, hey, he's the one passing the ball, so they're going to have to play kind of harder everyone, not leave them open. Cause he'd be, but then also he's going to look to get the ball as well. So if he can do both sides of it, mm-hmm. where he's the one dishing and he's – He's the one also receiving. That really opens up the offense to multiple avenues. Definitely, yeah. Um, going from Cameron Crutwig, the next guy on the list, the other guy we know is definitely going to start is uh, Lucas Williamson. So um, one thing I want to see from Lucas this year that he he really hasn't ever had the the place to do it yet just because his freshman year he was you know off the bench and wasn't a guy that they needed to score a bunch. And then his sophomore year he tried to a little bit before he got hurt. Um, but I really want him to be a playmaker this year, um, whether it is driving and kicking, driving and looking for himself to score, um, hitting hitting shots off of a pass or from um, off a screen. Uh, I'm just really looking for Lucas Williamson to become um, a bigger playmaker, and he's going to need to be a, a bigger and better playmaker this year if we want our Ramblers to have success. Um, Lou, what are you looking for him uh, out of Lucas Williamson, your biggest improvement this year for him? My, my biggest improvement would have to be um, that I just see – it's a healthy Lucas Williamson. That's what yeah. you're always hoping for. I think that's the, the tough thing. Um, but I think an, an easy way to digest it would be more of a ball handler. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be I think would be a wild card kind of option for him. Uh, but then again, as I think uh, more importantly, I don't really need him to be a ball handler. I need a strong shot. Okay. Um, I always think of him just kind of in the corner – ready for a quick shot on offense. Defense, I think he's there. No matter what, I think yeah. he's there for a college level. Again, he's going to improve. He's only a junior. But for offensively, I think that's where he needs to strive to improve as always. Um, and then I think corner three is something that would be really helpful. Cool, yeah. Um, next guy, uh, our senior, our lone senior, Bruno Skokna. Um, I, uh, I'm i not going to hold back. I'm not the biggest Bruno fan, um, but I do think that he can be is able – to improve this year. Um, I think he's going to be given the playing time. I think it'll be there for him, especially at the beginning of the season with some injuries. Um, the biggest thing I'm looking for in Bruno is him driving to the hoop. I think that he is very successful when he doesn't stand around and look for threes, and rather when he gets the ball either looking for that next pass, a skip pass, or driving to the hoop. Because he is a good finisher around the hoop, and um, 
he I like he, he's able to kind of initiate contact and get to the free throw line too. Um, so Lou Bruno Skokna, what are you looking for in his uh, improving his game this year? I think really just the improvement would be kind of more of a leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's the lone senior, lone senior scholarship wise, and I think that's crucial into understanding what the team kind of wants. We don't know where he fits, but now with these kind of injuries opening up and the way uh, things are really kind of forming as a team, I think I'd like to see him leadership. He's, he's been there all the longest. He knows the team. He knows, hopefully he knows Porter's system, so I need him to step up. Mm-hmm. I think be more confident in his shot and drill it. He's that, there's a few times he had wide open threes, and there maybe there was a reason why he was wide open, because the defense kind of let up. So I think leadership builds confidence, and I think it hopefully – develops his game even to a stronger level yeah uh, i agree uh the next guy uh let's talk about our two juco transfers so the first one uh keith clemens um he is uh more of the ball handler type guard coming over uh from juco but i think ball handler is the biggest thing i'm looking for him i know we haven't we don't really have anything or much to kind of compare him to from previous seen some video on him but i think from what i've heard and everything i know about him um, I'm looking for him to be that steady ball handler um, and be able to kind of orchestrate the offense um, and, uh, and be a good passer. Uh, Lou, what do you, what do you think we'll get out of Keith Clemens this year? What are you looking forward to seeing in him? So I think it's just going to be tough with the injury that mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be – I think it's going to – my expectations are going to be a little bit lower because I think it's going to be hard to – he's going to be behind. Right. He's going to start sure. off late. Um, but I'd like to see – this Juco scrap, uh, I think we've kind of found in guys like Andre Jackson, have shown us that these Juco guys deserve as much respect as any high-touted senior coming from any high school here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a big thing would be, though, um, I would like to see, and that's just an overall, I'd like to see speed pick up. Yeah. I think that's a thing with me. With Crutwig, I said the quickness. But I'd like to see maybe these new guys kind of add a speed. Again, is that's somewhat, we can't have them run the whole run the whole team because Porter decides. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, there is a give and take about who can decide how fast the team's going, how everything's moving. So I do hope we see a kind of a pickup of speed. I, guess. I think one guy that's going to contribute a lot to that pickup of speed is going to be our other Juco transfer, Jalen Pipkins, who um, from all the videos I've seen of him is one of the most athletic guys. I mean, the, the one guy that I can think of that I would compare him to is uh, Avery, was it Jackson? Avery... Who is the, the Avery guy that was a, another Juco transfer? He was on the Final Four team. And a da, a, a, a Darius Avery, right? Yes. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, Final yeah. Four team, and then he laughed. Yeah, Darius Avery. I think that's his name. It's something like that. But um, just like jumping out of the gym type type of player. Um, and um, long, lengthy, uh, 6'4"-ish. And I think very fast. I've seen him play as well in Juco. And uh, that's what I'm looking for, a spark off the bench. I think he's going to be probably our first or second guy off the bench, especially even when everyone gets healthy. Um, so for Pipkins, um, just kind of being that constant spark off the bench. Um, Lou, do you know what you're looking for in Jalen Pipkins? I, I think it's his – again, it's, it's funny because Adarius Avery's somewhat resembled this idea of quick hops, really mm-hmm. mobile. Um, but that's the that's – the, separation I hope to see from him and Adarius Avery is that this guy is here to play, putting a little bit more the tempo up, but again, is using his athleticism to something we really haven't seen that 
often. Mm-hmm. Guy, yeah, Marcus Towns has been an athlete in high school. We all know the football. Uh, Clay, always kind of a strong, quick guy, um, but seeing another level, bounce. I think that's going to be strong with Pipkins. Uh, but again, is I, it's different with the Juco guys. I don't expect too much. Right. If I get a lot, I'd be really happy. But again, it's, it's a whole new territory for them. So we don't know what really to expect at that much, but it would be great to see a lot of things work out. One guy that we know is incredibly athletic is Ahir Uguak, yep. who, um, I mean, shoot, we've seen some plays where it's just like jaw-dropping alley-oop dunks or rebounds where he looks like he's skying a foot over the rim to grab. Um, and um, I think my biggest thing I'm looking out or looking for him to improve on is just his play around the hoop. I, I, I feel like some of the coaches might have been a little fooled by wanting him to be a guard as well as a forward, and I just I don't think that's who he is. I don't think he has the same ball handling skills, and I think they just kind of need to stop fooling themselves and just focus on Ahir Uguak being a, a power forward, a four, who might be able to shoot, we don't really know, but play great defense, rebound the ball, and score around the hoop. Kind of like Andre Jackson. But Andre was a great three-point shooter as well. So I'm looking for Ahir to improve his play around the basket. What are you looking for Ahir to improve on the most this season, Lou? I think a big thing would be what we saw in the Creighton game. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest kind of like where, where, did, where did this guy kind of come from um, mantra is that I was really shocked and impressed. Um, and I'd love to kind what of... What about like the game at Creighton? Like were you impressed by Smart shots. Mm-hmm. Um, the man had, uh, I believe, 10 for 12, 9 for 11, 8 for 10. He was, I think, only two away yeah. from a great um, a perfect. Shoot, perfect shooting percentage. Um, so, in my opinion, I think from what I remember, he was, he's underneath the basket. He's right. got some great wingspan. And this is where I'd love to see him just – he should just be pretty much just think of a filter of around the rim and just always getting the rebound. Because he's big, he's there. But, again, he's on the offensive board. He wasn't quiet. He was doing smart selection shots, and that's what I'd love to see is him take not a burden, but a weight off the shoulders of Crutwig, kind of opening up our offense to other ways to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing with uh, here. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the last junior, man, we have a lot of juniors, um, mm-hmm. is the guy who sat out last year, uh, Tate Hall. Um, one thing I think that I know about his game, and I'm really looking forward to him um, showing at the Division One level, is his three-point shooting ability. I think that that is something that this team so desperately needs, with Cooper being out and Clemens um, being out to start the season. But I think uh, Tay Hall could be that great three-point shooter, and I'm looking for him to uh, show that this year. What about you, Lou? And Tate is just another one to add to this bunch of juniors, and that's the thing. But he's fresh, just like Juco's. But the thing is, he's been with the team. Mm-hmm. He knows that. Hopefully he knows the offense. He knows what the, he's been practicing with them. So this is a little bit different, I definitely think. And uh, what a way also to start off against the team you left um, in your first kind of game back into college sports. Um, so I think this is really important for him. Again, is we love that he's tall, he's six foot six. So we'd love to see a lethal shooting guard, big man, uh, kind of come off the bench. But I think that's the thing is finding his rhythm. Uh, we've had guys transfer in, and their first year wasn't that great. Um, but then over time, they've become a, a leader on the team. But I'd like to maybe see him play a, a role because there's not so many seniors. I think that's the big feature is because we have a not-so-heavy senior class, we need other guys, and that's why the junior class is so heavy to step up. And Tate Hall, again, his first year back, 
So I, I really don't know. It, it might be a slow year. It might be a, an amazing year for him. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to if if he can really be that good um, three point shooter. I think they can play uh, a lot of big lineups with him at the two or three guard. Um, the next guy I want to talk about is actually our uh, one of our two sophomores. Um, there, the cause class ranking is going to change because Cooper will have sat out a year. But the other guy, uh, Frank Agnane, our backup center, um, uh, unfortunately is not healthy right now. But when he gets back, I think the biggest thing I'm looking forward to him doing is um, maybe limiting his amount of fouls because I think he's going to have to play more minutes. And if he keeps fouling at the rate he is, he's going to foul out of a fair amount of games this year. And I think we're going to need him, um, especially when – uh, maybe Krutwig's struggling a little bit, or he has a little bit of foul trouble. There will be games like that. So um, I'm really looking forward uh, for Frank. Just kind of keep progressing, um, maybe feeling more calm and, and, and getting his footwork better um, to be able to, to score on those um, post-ups. And um, just looking for his athleticism to keep playing, uh, being that impressive uh, backup big. But, Lou, what, uh, what are you looking forward to from our big Frank? Um I need him a quick recovery, if we're going to be quite honest. That, yeah. that, that's what I need. What I'd like to see is less less kind of sporadic, kind of less chicken with his head cut off. Because, again, it's great to see him block, but if he becomes kind of a kind of zone-in, kind of center that is collective and can collect himself, I think he could have a high potential in the Missouri Valley. Mm-hmm. I think he can become a guy that is a, a menace in defense. And offensively, I think more of just – a role man. I don't expect him to be a leading scorer no, in any of his time here, actually, because of so many of other uh, offensive opportunities we're going to have with other guys. But if he can control himself to be a major factor on offense with just a role player, but then on defense, anyone step in the paint, like, he's there. Right. But he doesn't foul. That's the only thing. If he can be collective, he's smart, toward the ball and not the player, uh, that's what we'd love to see. Right. Um, so next, last three are our freshmen. So Marquise Kennedy, thing I'm looking forward to him is um, just like how impressive he really is. I think we all think he's going to be very good. Um, I'm looking forward to him driving to the hoop. I think we that's something we need on this team is someone who's comfortable driving to the hoop. Whether he, he's a freshman, he's going to make mistakes, but I just want to see him continue to kind of go at it, drive to the hoop, see if he can um, figure out how the team structure works, pass it out. Uh, look for Cutter, stuff like that. But I think um, he's probably, once Clemens gets healthy, I do think he's going to be more of a bench guy. Uh, but looking forward to him kind of leading that bench group and, and being the ball handler for that bench group. And um, also some some sick blocks and steals because we've been told and I've seen, we've seen some replays of him being a absolute menace on the defensive end. So that's what I'm looking for for Marquise Kennedy. What about you, Lou? Marquise Just- Kennedy. I would love to see a spark from the beginning. Uh, I think that's the thing is, uh, again, as Porter's quote back to our beginning is, he's going to be thrown into the fire. Hopefully he won't get burned too much because I'd like to see him soar out of the flames kind of thing. Mm, like a I'm phoenix. Thinking. Like a phoenix. Mm. Um, not shout out the sports page, but like <laughs> he just is a phoenix. Uh-huh. Because he's young and we need a point guard. Uh, we don't know who the point guard is. We'll see. We just don't know who's the one going to be handling the ball. And that's kind of the most important position for us. Right. No matter what, who's going to be taking that last shot? Who's Krotwig going to... can't bring the ball up. No. Every time. Like half, <laughs> Every, yeah. half the time's fine. But that that's the issue we're going to have, and hopefully he solves this issue. And that's the biggest question mark I have 
is what does the coaches coaching staff see in Marquise Kennedy? We recruited him. We wanted here. Uh, but again, it's sometimes we recruit guys we don't always get give them the opportunity. So I hope this man, young man, gets the opportunity because I think he has a high ceiling. Mm-hmm. He's got the background of a strong Chicago area player, which we kind of love our Chicago area players. We do. Um, so really, it's just that level of kind of time that he'll commit to. But hopefully, that when he gets the time, he's got to be smart. He can't be, and it's tough. We can't, freshmen. We were like, oh, they're a freshman. Marquise Kennedy can't be a freshman. He, he's got to be an, a college basketball player. He's got to learn the, the ropes real quick. Yeah, and that's I think that's the whole fire analogy is because we need him to step up as much as he wants to step up. Mm-hmm. Um, again, as if he's going to kind of be like, oh, he's making mistakes. That's just what it is. And quite honestly, you know, sometimes in college basketball, you need to step There are programs where it's like, hey, if you have the opportunity, if you don't step up, you lose that opportunity for quite some time. Right. So Marquise Kennedy... I got mad respect for you, but I just think it's time that y- you step up. I kind of think that he will have that short opportunity, which are the games before the, the tournament, the Cayman Islands tournament. I think if he's not producing, that uh, Porter will not hesitate to put Keith Clemens back into the lineup. And it's interesting. I kind of want to just add to that a little bit. I think it might, in my eyes, it might be a similar scenario where when Cameron Crowick finally got his time to shine, mm-hmm. the man stepped up right. and became a starter. Mm-hmm. So Marquise Kennedy... We've had experience where freshmen step up in time of need, and when they step up and show a big stage, they end up going to the NCAA tournament and end up playing the Final Four. Oh. So, but again, it's, I'm not asking that. I'm asking for you to step up so we get to the, the final round of the Arch Madness. Like, yeah. that's what I want, and that we have a good non-conference and a conference season. So, Marquise Kennedy, we're looking out for you. Yeah. Uh, next guy, we've got Paxson Wojcik. Uh, shooting guard out of uh, Indiana. Went to La Lumiere. Um I think, I don't know, I think one of the things I'm looking forward to from him is just a little bit of everything. I think he's going to be like the jack of all trades for us. I think he'll get some time where they really need him to defend. I think there are going to be some times where we really need him to have a couple uh, baskets off the bench. Um, maybe a bit of a ball handler. I don't really know. I mean, he, he played on a very good um, high school basketball team and a travel basketball team. So he he has a lot of experience playing with really good teams. And I think he's one of those guys that'll kind of just do whatever he's asked to do. Um, but I think the one, if I had to narrow it down to one thing, I think is defense. I think I'm really interested. I've heard a lot of reports about him being a very good defender. He's a lot taller and lengthier than I thought he was. Um, so I'm looking forward to his defense. Lou, what are you looking forward to out of our, uh, our guy, Paxson Wojcik? I need him to learn. I think that's a big thing. Um, I think him and Tate Hall could become best friends. Um, they're you should, kind of, yeah, you should ship that. You should start. I think we should because they're them. similar guys. They're they're again as I think Tate Hall is a little bit bigger, but I think Paxton Wojcik is he's not got as, time to grow. Too. He's got time to grow. And he's bit. not a he's not a small guy. He's not a scrawny guy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's time for these kind of intersection of older guys, and young guys, kind of blending. But also they're both new. They're both new to the system. Mm-hmm. So I think Paxton Wojcik becoming a stronger shooter and confident shooter. He played with such a great team. He played one of the best high school programs in the country. So and a I think very it's, good travel team. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's time. He's not playing anymore with his younger brother. He's not playing with guys that are five-star recruits. He's playing for himself and for a team that, in my opinion, he could easily find himself equal with some of the skill level yeah. if he just knows where to go with it. Maybe teams will 
confuse Tate Hall for Pax and Wardrick, and then we'll just have... When like, they both be making shots, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they'll, like, blend in with each other, and then, you know, the, one of them will pop open for a three. Exactly. So, last guy. Uh, last guy is certainly not least, uh, Tom Welch, um, out of the suburbs of Chicago. Um, again, another guy that he's really just going to be thrown into the fire. I know Porter said it about Kennedy, but... Without Frank for the first, you know, four weeks or so um, of the season, it's an, he's going to get some significant playing time, and um, I think I think I'm looking forward to him being a different big than we're used to. Like at least since I've been watching the team, um, you know, a few handful of years now since before I went to the school, um, we've really had very few big guys that could shoot and handle the ball a little bit. Andre Jackson's the one guy that kind of rings the bell, but he was only 6'5". Tom Welch is 6'8". So, um, I think, again, another freshman that's just going to be get a lot of playing time. And I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing how he responds. Um, Lou, what do you got for the last guy here, Tom Welch? Last time we had a 6'8 freshman, who was it? Oh, boy. I don't know. (laughs) Learn me. Learn me a little bit. I just want people to know that Tom Welch also a very athletic guy, so it's not even that the height should be that major of a factor. Mm-hmm. But the last time we had kind of a six foot eight, six foot nine freshman was Cameron Crowley. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I so, was thinking like someone similar to him, like six eight and like athletic. Athletic. So that's the thing is Cameron Crowley was six foot eight, six foot nine. Again, as we don't really know the exact heights, but Tom Welch is in that range. And here's the thing: Tom Welch is very athletic. He played mm-hmm. goalie for his high school soccer team that was. One of the best in the country. Yeah, he got I, recruited. He yeah. won Gatorade uh, Soccer Player of the Year. I'm pretty sure, in, in, or in Illinois, Illinois Gatorade. I'm like 99 percent sure he won. I don't think he won. No, I, think I really think he did. TBD to next podcast will we actually give everyone the results oh. of uh, how Buck versus Lou on I'm Tom Welch? Like very. Uh, we'll make a bet. We'll make a bet. I'm gonna look it up right now. There's no betting. I'm gonna look it up right now. Soccer. But while he looks it up, let's talk about Tom Walsh knows how to go to the ball and in soccer. And I think he's got quick kind of skills. And the best example is Steve Nash. He says he learned how to move quick and how to uh, kind of measure the competition out in the court because of soccer. So I think it's kind of cool to put that analogy toward Tom Welch mm-hmm. and the skill level he mm. has. I have some news here. A slam dunk. Naperville North basketball star Tom Welch named Gatorade Illinois Boys Soccer Player of the Year in 20, uh, this past year. Wow, <laughs> oh, there we go. So, yeah, so um, it's a Chicago Tribune article written by uh, Matt LaCren. Um, big fan of his work. You know, all the stories I've read by him. We're just big fans that we have recognition on players coming in. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing right now. Tom Welch, we, we got a high ceiling for you. Again, is we're going to need you with Frank now out. This is... This is the moment he needs to step He actually up. might have won it his junior year. It says the, the beginning of the article starts. Yeah, he didn't win it this past year. Okay, well. So, because Naperville North, Colin Iverson, we're going to now support Naperville okay, so North. Okay, so we were both right. Because I said I knew he had won it, but you said he didn't win it this past year. Yes. Uh, Everybody wins. Of course, yes. But um, So that's the thing. But you know what? It's it's Tom Welch, you're a great guy, and we think we're going we're gonna to see great things. I'm pumped, yeah. Um, it's gonna. It's a different year. I like, I wow, that's a bold statement. It's a different year. It's a different feeling this year than the past couple of years. Like I think last year we everyone had picked us to be you know top of the valley. Um, some people had picked us to be top twenty five, but that was kind of crazy. Um, 
we expected to win, right? And the year before that, I mean, I know we weren't picked to be like the top team, but uh, we kind of didn't expect to be good. Um, and then all of a sudden we were good. This year is different. Like we, we have been good the past couple years. So we do kind of expect to do well, but um, we're not getting the same national recognition. We're not getting even the same recognition within our conference to be a good team. So it's kind of, I don't know, I kind of feel like we're playing with house money a little bit here. Like, I think next year is going to be the year where I'm, I'm really um, counting on them to, to play well if they keep a lot of the same guys. But this year, I think a lot of different things could happen. I think, um, I think we could win it all. We could win the conference. We could win Arch Madness. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if we finished fourth or third. I think that's very possible. Um, but I don't know. It's it's exciting, and it's exciting in a very different way. Where I'm not looking, I'm not. I wouldn't bet money on Loyola winning at all. But um, looking forward to seeing how they do. And I think they, if everything goes right, I think they could very well win it all. So, um, yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Um, we have. A couple, I think just one piece of uh, news for our own podcast. But the next podcast is going to be our Hot Ones episode, um, which we have been talking about a little bit here and there, uh, different podcasts, different episodes. Um, but um, it's going to be very different, uh, something we're going to try out, see how it goes. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. We hope you enjoy it too. Um, but it's not going to be our regular scheduled programming. It's just going to be uh, Lou and I asking questions to each other, eating hot wings and suffering in the pro in the process. Um, we're going to talk about the team. We're going to talk about Loyola in general, maybe a little, just some, you know, very introspective life questions. You never know. You never don't know what's going to happen. Um, but, um, tell your friends, tell your friends, friends, tell your family, tell your dog. Um, and, uh, we hope you enjoy it. So above all else, Lou, do you have anything to add to this podcast here now? No, I think uh, we're just excited for the season to start. Exhibition game coming up, and then really the official start of the season just underway. Cool. Yes, it is. Um, the first exhibition game is coming up in a couple days, the 29th on Tuesday. So thanks for listening all. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, this has been another episode of Podcast 63 from Buck and Lou. And don't forget, go Blairs.